This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, our guest is comedian extraordinaire and host of the Confederacy of Dunks NBA podcast, friend to the show. Welcome back, Freddie Rivas. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. It's always a blast being on the show. Oh, my pledge, my pledge. Uh, this week, you kind of bailed me out. So super appreciate that. Hey, you uh, know, we all need a bailout person, right? <laughs> yeah, we always do. Um, it's so cra- crazy. We uh, just before we started recording, we were talking about how um, we just passed the two year anniversary of Rudy Gobert touching all the mics and uh, effectively shutting down the NBA with COVID. Um, I Yeah. I, I still remember that night my, my my wife was like heading to bed and like right as she was heading to bed, I was like, hey, so uh, Rudy Gobert uh, got COVID. The NBA is going to stop and Tom Hanks has COVID too. And she's like, what? L- leave me alone. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like uh, totally freaking out. I remember that day too. And I remember feeling really freaked out. And uh, I I was actually I wasn't staying at my place. I was I was dog sitting for a week. So I was staying over at this other place because I was sitting this dog. And I remember thinking, like, I think people are going to start panicking. I at home and I'm going back home in two days and low on toilet paper. And then I looked at Amazon.ca for toilet paper and already it was madness. This is like Wednesday night. I ordered just a one pack of one pack of Cottonelle toilet paper, like 16 rolls or something, cost me 22.50. Oh my god. And it was the cheapest one available. And prior to that I went on Instacart online to put in like a grocery order and they were sold out on Instacart. So I, I sucked it up. I, I paid for the toilet paper. I put in my Instacart order that was going to be available like two days later. And the guy was just in a complete panic. The grocery stores were in a frenzy. He kept like messaging me through the app being like, this is not available. Do you have an alternative? This isn't available. Do an alternative. Like eventually I just had to get on the phone with the guy and I was like, look, buddy, I'm so sorry. I placed this order days ago. This is worse than I thought. Um, just do what you can, man. Just do. <laughs> I would not have put you through this through Instacart had I known. Just do what you can. And I super appreciate it. And he was like, okay, okay. And then 
when he came to drop it all off like i i gave i tipped him like an extra ten dollars just for like dealing with the chaos for me well i was just gonna say you are you're a better person than i because i didn't even try to buy toilet paper (laughs) i just went on the streets and started kicking people's asses (laughs) and just just fisticuffs everywhere high kicks muay thai elbows like i was hurting people bad for tp in the early like you know beginning hours of the pandemic i was pretty much like really really like you know predatory stuff like yeah well if anyone in the dundas west area needs to report (laughs) yeah uh Yeah, if you want to jump me for what I did to you for your TP, that's fair. <laughs> oh my god, what a crazy time. And you know, we're still not completely out of this pandemic, which is wild. Um, but I mean, not to go too far deep into that, but just thinking like, oh man, it's the two year anniversary of the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about wow. I remember like Adam Silver being like, We're gonna give it 30 days. <laughs> We're going to give it 30 days and see how we are and reevaluate. And it's like two years later, like, oh, my God, Folks, we're going to give it 30 days. And then we're going to start talking about playing basketball at Disney in a giant <laughs> bubble. Is that normal? <laughs> yeah, that's going to cost us a hundred million dollars. No other sports league will do the same. And we'll realize that economically we didn't have to care about this as much as we did. And then we're going to completely backtrack on all our morality. That's the T. That's the T. <laughs> You're coming with the T now. Money. I, yes, I am. Money. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because I remember all last year I was like, uh, it could still say BLM on the court if we wanted it to. I don't know why that messaging uh, disappeared from the NBA um at least on a, you know on a very visible level but yep seriously yeah. anyway what a time what a time uh freddie a lot of crazy topics to get into this week uh one thing i want to talk about uh a little bit here is uh wmba's Brittany griner um mm-hmm. if you haven't heard yet um she has been uh detained in russia for having an undisclosed amount of cannabis oil on her while traveling to Russia. Um, So Freddie and I uh, co-host a WNBA podcast called The Pickup. Uh, We released an episode uh, earlier this week where we detail that case um, at great lengths. If uh, anybody wants to check that out. Uh, I just wanted to mention it here because I feel like it's uh, a very serious topic Uh, I think it's the biggest story in sports right now. Um, I think people are afraid to talk about it. And uh, I think people are afraid to talk about it because they're worried that Russia is going to use Brittany uh, as a political pawn. Personally, I feel like we're already there. I personally feel like they're absolutely already using her as a political pawn because she was detained uh, over three weeks ago. And that news only came out in North America on Saturday. Uh, She traveled to Russia before the war was declared against the Ukraine. Um, And she's been playing basketball in Russia since 2014. So um, I kind of feel like the writing is on the wall as far as that goes. But 
I uh, I do appreciate that people want to handle it delicately and with care. And I'm definitely going to uh, continue to follow this story quite closely. Um, but for now, I am signing petitions <laughs> and putting yeah. it out there to free Brittany Griner. Um, and to, you know, appar- apparently the U.S. government is working to bring her back home. Um, I don't think our silence is going to help. But again, I, I mean... I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but that's how I currently feel as we record this on Thursday, March 10th, evening time. Um, how yeah, do you feel, I'm, Freddie? I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before the pod, and I feel like sometimes the instinct is to be quiet and hope something will just kind of like self resolve. Uh, and, you know, you also don't want to instigate. Uh, you know, Putin or Russia or the apparatus that has detained uh, Griner unlawfully. You know, I'm just going to go out and say, like, whatever legitimacy is is you know people are trying to put on this is is silly. Like, I, I feel like that's not even a conversation that deserves to be had. Um, in regards to like the vape pen or whatever, to me, it's sort of like it's a clearly like unlawful detainment and you know i think they are clearly using britney as some type of political leverage or pawn like just a cnn article i was just reading it's now britney and two americans uh being held by russia oh, so, so it's three people total yeah and oh, i don't wow. know i don't even know it looks like two men um i'm not sure who they are or what the deal is but like already the conversation is very much like we have something that you want. Um, but I totally agree with you. You know, you have to be loud about it. You have to be upset about it. And I don't think it's going to help Brittany in any way for people to be quiet and cross their fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. And like, um, I get when, you know, when people are higher profile that they, that they would be scared potentially to speak up because you don't want to, make things worse like i i during the the raptors broadcast last night you know i'm looking at kia nurse like kia nurse and Brittany griner are teammates i don't know if a lot of raptors fans know that but mm-hmm. they are teammates on the phoenix mercury and yep. like you gotta think like she's gotta be feeling something you know you know if if kia didn't tear her acl she might be playing like i'm not sure what she plays overseas but Right. You know, she she might be overseas playing. So, yeah, this is a very real thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, we, we covered a lot on the WNBA pod, but it, there's a lot of crisscrossing narratives here about, you know, like, you know, equal pay uh, in, in sports and, and why Brittany was in Russia in the first place. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really frustrating and upsetting. And I, I encourage anyone uh, who doesn't know about it to – educate yourself about it and to be loud about it because i think you know if there's anything that's encouraging you know that's even a stretch but like anything that's positive that i've seen is that britney's partner uh, you know has been profusely thanking people for being loud about this yeah and you know things could change as time goes on as the days go on but for now you know that's how we feel and i just felt like it was really important to to talk about and mm-hmm. yeah I'm glad like, you brought it up oh thank you 
Um, and also too, like, I do think this will change, um, players approaches to playing internationally going forward, both for, for women's basketball and men's basketball. I like, think so. Yeah. It's a like, scary scenario. Yeah. Like, Cause it's like a lot of men play basketball in China and they're also a communist country. And like, you know what I mean? Like it, I, I think the political landscape could affect these things for a lot of players going forward. Yeah. I mean, you know, the idea that you are, you know, more than just like an athlete doing your job and could be used as political leverage is terrifying. And I think is going to greatly diminish uh, players want to go play somewhere. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a, it, it, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's move on to uh, other NBA topics. Uh, so currently, um, we're recording this during the uh, Philadelphia 76ers Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. game. Um, people have paid up to four thousand dollars for tickets to this game. Like, Ben Simmons is not playing, wow. he's there, he's on the bench. Like, the idea that you have four thousand dollars to boo someone (laughs) who wanted a trade who didn't show up but also wild man (laughs) but also their team like threw him under the bus after like it's not a shock that wanted a trade like and then i i I just you know like I was watching uh, Serge Ibaka's How Hungry Are You? And I was like, we need a show called Who Hurt You? And it's just like a circle for fans (laughs) to reconcile their pain. Because it's like, that is just, if you have $4,000 to boo Ben Simmons, you have $4,000 for therapy for why you want to boo Ben Simmons that badly. People say that Raptors fans have no chill, and they're right. But <laughs> Philly fans also have no chill. There's something about no a tortured chill. fan base that, like, they're just ready to snap. And like, because you know, I've I've seen a lot of people talking about you know when Vince left Toronto, uh, Bosch left Toronto. You know, it's less of a thing. But like when LeBron left Cleveland, it's like these guys left, and their team was immediately horrible. Philly is doing great. So hmm. yeah, the the holding on to that animosity feels like you're more in like I don't know, you're more just like raw anger, like bully territory, I think. Oh man. And you know, like some of it's like it's it's because with the tragic stuff, some of it's harmless fun. But yeah, you do get the fans out there who are like pretty venomous, and it's like this is a bad look. Yeah, I, I didn't get to do an episode last week, but Man, some people were booing Dragic like it was Vince Carter all over again. I know. Like, like, we have no chill. It's like, it's okay. Things are all right. Like, literally, the team asked him to leave. (laughs) Like, he didn't even (sighs) quit on the team. Yeah, I mean. He said in the summer he was shocked to be traded here. He didn't necessarily want to play here. Then he backtracked that. He did show up. 
He was a good sport. All the guys on the team seem to like him and think he's generally a nice guy. He was asked to leave. Uh, he was traded. He didn't demand to trade. And it like it is what it is. Some people, I feel like they use sports to let the hate flow, you know? Yeah. I they mean, just, here, like, he, they, they channel their like anger and they're like, I mean, I've done it. I've definitely, I've been like, I've been, you know, fury. I was like, I was like yelling at Garnett during the, the Brooklyn uh, Raptor series, like pretty angrily, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what I was saying, but I think there is some, there's some venom that gets released for sports. Yeah, I mean, my personal theory is just, you know, generally speaking, men are not taught to express their emotions (laughs) and men have to repress their feelings all the time. And sports is one of the few areas where we let men go off. So it's like every boy do they ever right? Every repressed thing a, a male sports fan has felt about their mother their father their ex you know you name it it's like it's all on goran dragic (laughs) (laughs) i know yeah or whatever it happens to be or it's all on ben simmons right now you know and and it's like that and it's that emotional tie to sports really fuels the economy of sports in this messed up way yeah, that's it's a good point. Like it really, you know, I think that's a big part of the, you know, as I call them, like kind of like transaction fans. Like that's sort of like the movement, the the drama of sports. Like the kind of like the the opera or not opera, but like the what, what am I? The drama. For? Uh, the drama. No, um, <laughs> soap opera. That's what I'm looking for. The soap opera element of the sport, not the opera. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, 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 that element of kind of like wanting to have villains and heroes and also like wanting your hero to fall and like what you know the reality tv portion of the nba is very alive and well people like to watch former heroes squirm right it's a big yeah it's not some i don't like it i think it's so gross but it's it is a big big part of fandom it is i mean people are i mean the way i abbreviate it is just they are irrationally emotionally invested right yeah like that's really what it is and it everything is fueled by that in this really weird way and i'm just watching you know people pay so much money you can go to italy for a month for four grand like there's just so much you can do with four thousand dollars than just boo ben simmons and he's not even playing Five grand, you can go to Italy with Ben Simmons. <laughs> I wonder what ben, like- I think Ben Simmons might be okay in Italy. I think I, you know, I could see him in Tuscany doing a little wine tasting. Oh man, he'd be so chill. Yeah, I think he'd be all right. Um, yeah, just absolutely crazy. And, and it, there's a lot of this going on this week because you know it isn't just. Ben Simmons, but Russell Westbrook spoke mm-hmm. out earlier this week about 
um, some of the bullying and taunting that he and his family, more specifically his family, has had mm-hmm. to deal with this season as the Lakers and him personally, or sorry, not personally, but professionally have struggled. And, you know, he talked about how, like, he can't bring his kids to the games anymore. Um, he felt, you know, really, you know, sad or disheartened about uh, the West Brick nickname as it, you know, defames his name. Um it was really interesting for him to speak out about that because he's usually um, quite cold with the media. I'd say like he has a reputation for not being very warm with the media, but I guess mm-hmm. he decided this was something he wanted to open up about. And uh, there was a reporter that gave him the opportunity to do so. So I think that was maybe a discussion prior to him talking about this. Um I don't know. I, I'm of. I have varying opinions around this. Actually, like on one hand, obviously, I do not uh, endorse bullying in any way. Obviously, I think death threats are wrong. Again, if you can afford to pay to go to these games, you can afford to talk to somebody about why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, from strictly a, a basketball perspective, I do think that Westbrook has a bit of a a delusional quality to him and i think there's been a lack of uh personal accountability on his part for the way he's played this season Mm -hmm. and there's um a resistance and a lack of willingness to change or adapt the way he plays to better fit a you know whatever team model he happens to be a part of Mm -hmm. and i think you know him speaking out about his family and you know his wife and his kids having to deal with this bullying i have all the empathy in the world for that and i also feel like i hold at the same time this lack of personal accountability and how it hurts every team that he's on now and you know it's like i don't want (laughs) i don't want that like the fans being crazy or wild or outrageous to prevent him from, you know, quote unquote, like seeing the light, mm-hmm. if that makes sense around his own game. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, th- I think it's fair because it's, sorry, it's not, it's a f- the fair take of yours because it's a multiple true scenario mm-hmm. to me. You know, he is sort of like the classic, like aging superstar who can't really, his game's not evolving in the right direction. You know, we we have guys like you know, look at Kevin Love this year. Look at Demar Derozan, who in you know actually maybe Demar is not even the best example because Demar sort of has like proven that his way of playing is good, um, right? And he's become more efficient, so maybe that's not the best example. But yeah, Russell is definitely one of these guys who he he is so wildly skilled. He's you know was an MVP and kind of like out hustled people his whole career and he's he's reaching this age where it's like you know you're in your 30s like you can't out hustle everyone and your poor shooting is has become this kind of i mean that's a whole uh, you know a, a kind of like a adjacent thing to this like I, f- I find it interesting that guys that can't shoot really get the most negative ire like i wonder if that's oh. like uh an effect of analytics where 
people are so upset with the lack of efficiency in a player, whether it's DeMar or Westbrook or Ben Simmons and his free throws. It's like that. It's just like, that's it. It's just like, they can't overlook anything. Like, you know, I know we're just talking about, we've moved on from Ben Simmons, but mm-hmm. to me, the, the duality of him being runner up defensive player of the year and being such a like, like awful player in people's eyes. Mm-hmm so interesting to me it's like how how we can't meet in the middle there i don't understand and i feel like that's a part of for me the westbrook narrative is you know i mentioned earlier we like to see people fall right and westbrook went from this guy who you know called durant a cupcake for leaving to golden state and he stuck with okc and was sort of like a person that people idolized for his loyalty and and all and all these things all these kind of really brave you know qualities in a person but then his decline and the fact that he's kind of been passed around in trades has put him in this situation where yeah you know it's 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 a bunch of things because he's not adapting people are being cruel i think and also he's getting paid so much. So he's, it's this max contract aspect. Sorry. I I went a bunch of different directions, but I think it's just, it's kind of a mess. And I I agree with you that there is a lack of accountability, at least as far as the way that, you know, Russell's playing. Yeah. Um, And I, I'm only speaking about um, the way he's played this year when I say that. Um, Yeah. Cause I, I think like, you know, uh, I think like you said, when you are uh, an aging star in the NBA, we do see players go through this phase where it's hard for them to reconcile mm-hmm. where they're at because I guess like mentally they're like, I can do the things I did five yeah. years ago. And then like physically they can't. Carmelo and, Iverson. Like it, it yes, happens. Yes. We've seen it many times, even with Kobe. Honestly, Definitely with Kobe. Yeah, yeah for sure. And like those last Lakers years were were not good for anyone that played with them. I know everyone remembers that last game against. It was uh, a cool Utah. game going out on sixty against Utah was amazing. But yeah, like, it was very yeah. it was very Hollywood the whole thing. But um and the goodbye tour that he did. But yeah, I I just think like you know, eventually you get to a point where like you know the numbers don't lie, and I think if you're Westbrook you got to be looking at these numbers and thinking like, I need to work with somebody to improve my shooting percentage. Like at a certain point, you're like, I need to work with someone to do this. Like you can't just be like, it's the world against me all the time. And, and you know, there change. is a roadmap for it. Like this Jason kid, right. Famously was like not a good shooter and could do, everything was this explosive point guard that could like run the floor and whatever. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure where he finished, but he's like really high on the all time three pointers made list because part of what he did, Vince Carter, right. You know, part of what they mm-hmm. did is they became these guys that are like, all right, I'm just going to like, I want to stick around and become this kind of like, you know, I want to win. I want to be a, an efficient, you know, uh, I mean, Kevin Love is also guy. a great example about how he, well, I mean, not maybe not a great example because he was a curmudgeon for <laughs> several years, 
But, yeah. you know, he really did work on his outside game and he really reinvented his game and he is an effective team player now. And I think we're going to see Westbrook go through a similar thing. I think, you know, something that would must be frustrating for the fans is that this is happening in the timeline of LeBron with only so much time left. And these are supposed to be the last years of his career. And really like Anthony Davis and these other players were really supposed to be able to take over. So LeBron could be the number two on the team instead of the number one on the team. And that transition hasn't really happened. And sorry, go ahead. I just have to say, I'm just like pulling up Russell's stats Mm. and it's wild to be talking about him like this. So on Washington last year, he finished averaging a triple double and led the league in assists. Wow. That's incredible. So so that's also, yeah. I mean like that, I think that's part of it. It's got to be difficult for him where he's sort of like, I can do like 85% of what I could do. It just, it it sucks how that doesn't equal wins. Yeah. It, well, and that's exactly it. And that's where the efficiency comes in, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't know how how long Westbrook has to go through it to, to see it for what it is, to see all of it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, it's a difficult time. And now we have like LeBron, you know, I think I talked about this a bit on the last episode I did, but, you know, po- like during the All-Star game or All-Star weekend, dropping hints that LA might not be his last stop after all. Yeah. I, Which... I kind of love that to be honest. <laughs> Say more. Well, I just love that. I mean, a- any type for me, like, like any of the major markets, I always just kind of like enjoy them. Not like I, you know, I, I love the organic teams. So when a bunch of superstars get together and it doesn't work, mm. I, I, I quite enjoy that. Um, so and, and also for LeBron's legacy, I think it would be kind of cool to go to another team. Like he might, uh, who knows how many more years he has, and you know, yeah, if he goes back to Cleveland or whatever, it'd be it'd be fun. Yeah, I I think him going to Cleveland to end his career and potentially winning another ring in Cleveland because a lot of analysts have said like actually LeBron would be an amazing fit on that team and it could really put them over the edge. What a, a Cinderella type ending to his career, you know, right. that would that would be like, I, I, it's actually a better ending than L.A. And I think LeBron is someone who cares deeply about narratives. Um, but he also said that he really wants to play with his son. And that's also another goal of his. And and Bronny is available for the draft in 2024. So, I love that. Bronny is the golden ticket. Bronny's the golden ticket, so OKC is gonna get Bronny in the back. You said, <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, I think you know we're gonna be revisiting um, this LeBron era with the Lakers um, in a lot of different ways. I think for many years to come, and Westbrook is is a part of that. And I, you know, I think for his sake, I hope he can find a way to uh, uh, adapt his game a bit. Me too. I love Westbrook. Yeah, I do too. I years ago when he was still on OKC with Kevin Durant, uh, I got to see a game in person here in Toronto, 
and I had like good seats like they weren't like you know like courtside but they were very good seats and watching him in person it's like the amount of athleticism this guy has felt like yeah. nothing I'd ever seen in my life it's out of control he he definitely like, is one of the only people who in my opinion does like NBA jam style dunks right like just like rude and like wild dunks that I, I hadn't foreseen. And like, I don't know if that was the game, but I remember being at like a, a Westbrook OKC game where he caught, it was just this weird play where he like, I think either he was taking the free throw or someone else was, but he caught a free throw and laid it up all in one motion, like a missed mm. free throw. And it was like, just, it was like, you just had to watch it over and over to be like, how did this happen? Uh, the game I went to, it went to double overtime, and Kevin Durant hit a game-winning shot. Yeah, against us. So uh, I don't recall if that was the same game or not because I just remember being on my feet for a really long time because of the double OT. Um, that's what I. That was I my big that. takeaway. Um, You're like these dogs are barking, boys. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Um, just real quick here. I wanted to tell you, um, before we move on, uh, this game, uh, it's at halftime right now as we're recording this, the nets it's 72 51 for the nets. And they've basically led by 20 points, like the whole game. So I think that, that basically stamps the argument. KD and Kyrie can't play together. <laughs> they can't do it. Doesn't work. Kyrie's having a hell of a week. He really right is. the other night he scored fifty points. I actually I watched a bit of that game because um that's such a that game against Charlotte is such an important uh, game for the standings for the play in which we're actually we're about to move on uh, to talk about. But nice. yeah, I was like, wow, this guy's really. I really thought he had kind of quit on basketball to be honest, but he was really on fire. Kyrie has one of the weirdest careers I've ever watched unfold. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like just, <laughs> well, you're the person I feel like a couple months ago you said like he just, he just has this like air of like someone who doesn't enjoy his job, but is like crazy good at it. It's strange. It's not a it's yeah. not a quality you see in the NBA, right? Everyone is so desperate to be there, and then like you know, just like we're talking, like be there for as long as they can on top of that. Like you get in and you stay in as long as you can. And Kyrie has this whole approach. Like, you know, even I remember when he got drafted first overall, like he barely even played any games for Duke, but still went first. And yeah, he just has this quality of kind of like, it's effortless. And I mean, mm. it looks effortless and it's, it's wild. Like he's absolutely putting on a show. Yeah, like he, like you said, like he's really talented, but it's not necessarily his number one like thing in his life, which you're not used to seeing it. In, in yeah, um, yeah. The reason why I, I thought that was when I was thinking about his career. You know, like he demanded a trade from Cleveland, if I remember correctly, because yep. he wanted to be the number one guy. That was a big thing. He didn't want to be in LeBron James's shadow anymore. He wanted to be number one. So then he goes to Boston, and it doesn't work out. And then suddenly he was perfectly okay for being basically the number third, like the third guy 
when James Harden was with the Nets. And I was like, how does somebody go from wanting to be a leader, like not just the best, but be a leader to being the number three important person on a team in a matter of just a few years? Yeah, that I mean, that whole situation, like I I, I feel like a big part of it was he I don't know if he had intel, but was sort of had the sense that LeBron was going to leave to go to L.A. And I I feel like he didn't want to because like previously with Miami, you know, it's sort of like LeBron left and the other guys were stuck there a little bit. There's that quality. Even Wade left Miami for a bit. And I think that he didn't want to become what Kevin Love was. So that was also a part of it. But yeah, with but the Boston thing was like extra strange. And then going to Brooklyn to me was like sort of an ad- admission that yeah, he's not like Kyrie might be a f- like a flashy incredible scorer, but like realistically he's not a number 1 guy. Yeah, and, and apparently allegedly, not completely confirmed. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving talked about teaming up together back on the 2016 Olympic team, which is the same summer he initially signed with Golden State. Wow. That's a, that's a theory that's out there. So it's like, yeah, it, it is. It's a really strange career. But um, okay. I thought you were gonna say something. Oh no! Just like <laughs> my my face is like I agree. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we're gonna talk about Western Conference standings, and then in our Raptors Homer moment, we'll we'll talk about the Eastern Conference. So, Freddie, uh, the way things are shaping up, I don't actually think there's gonna be a significant amount of movement in the Western Conference. The first, the, like the top four um seems like you can't call it locked because it's too soon but the suns seem pretty cemented in the number one spot uh the grizzlies and the warriors at two and three seem pretty interchangeable Mm -hmm. um uh the grizzlies or sorry the warriors are only one game behind then you have the jazz who are three games behind and the mavericks and nuggets at four five and six and then uh, in the play-in right now, Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, and Pelicans. And I feel like that four is going to be what it is. Like, I mean, the Timberwolves could go on like a huge winning streak, but I don't see the Nuggets or the Mavericks or even the Jazz like slipping so significantly that the Timberwolves would not be in the play-in. Right. Uh, I'm wondering, Freddie, who are you looking at in the West and who are you most intrigued by right now? Well, a team that I I'm pretty intrigued by just like in a low level sense uh, is I, I think one of my bolder takes that I like I feel like was like, OK, I think I'm I think I'm right about this. And it was playing out the way I expected was the Clippers. I, I, I before the year started, oh. I said. I don't think the Clippers are going to make the playoffs. Oh, um, but before you know, Paul t- George's injury. Yeah. And like in my mind, I was like, you know, we had Kawhi as a Raptor. Um, he's not going to rush back. Paul's going to have to carry too much of the load and mm. it's probably going to, you know, maybe get injured or sit out or whatever. So I kind of was factoring that surge was injured, but right. uh, 
Tyron Lou, you know, has done a really good job keeping this team competitive. Uh, and it would be pretty interesting. Like, I don't think Kawhi or PG are, you know, about to come back or anything, but that changes a lot if they do, either of them. Um, and I think it's been almost a year since Kawhi's injury. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then, uh, of course, like, even without Zion, I find the Pelicans really intriguing because it seems like the McCollum grab, at least in the short term, is working. Like they're a little bit better, you know, although I think uh, Brandon Ingram just got uh, like a seven week or 10 week injury. So, yeah, they've that... lost their last three games. Yeah. So, so maybe a little less interesting than than I was giving it credit for. But uh... well, the initial trade was super interesting because I, I interpreted it as like David Griffin really trying to keep his job that the Pelicans needed to make this play in no matter what. And maybe they're hanging on by thinner uh, strings than I'm giving, you know, them credit for right now. Cause I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, yeah, like I don't see the trailblazers, the Spurs, Kings, Thunder of Rockets being in the mix. Um, so I think they might just be 10th. I don't want to say by default, but I think it could just mm-hmm. work out for them in that spot. Um, I'm really excited for the Timberwolves. Yeah, the Timberwolves are a very much like a quiet, feel-good story. Yeah, and, and like, you know, I realistically, I don't see them getting out of the first round. I could very well see them getting out of the play-in. And, I mean, if the playoffs were to start today, they'd be facing the Grizzlies, and that That'd would hands down be the funnest or one of the funnest series of the first round. Yeah, that would be, I mean... Also, I'm looking at Denver Golden State. That would be pretty wild. But yeah, um, if it started yeah, today, yeah, yeah, like Minnesota. I mean, like I, I really think that it's. I mean, I've always been a believer in Towns, and I'm so excited for him that it's like he's. They're in seventh, you know, but they they're like a a team that deserves to be there. They're 11 games over 500, you know, so they're like a legit like winning ball club. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell's doing good. Ant-Man is one of the more exciting players in the NBA. And, yeah, it's kind of just like a feel-good thing. Like, I don't know. I guess the last time they made it was like the Butler year, um, which felt like it was sort of like, like a, a temporary thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty intrigued by them. I think, to me, Denver is super intriguing as far as, like, who's going to come back? How are they going to integrate like you know between like a porter jr and and jamal murray like i feel like those are two incredible players that really like you know denver has a good record and and Jokic is having an mvp season again so i feel like they're dangerous the the, the west is i mean the playoffs this year are, are, are i feel like we're still in the era of of parody right yeah uh, and and I think we're headed for another finals, which might have two totally different teams. Maybe who knows? Maybe it's Phoenix and Milwaukee, but like, I think there's a chance that it's like Philly and Denver or Philly and Utah. Or like the, the it's kind of the healthiest team wins and God, a Philly Utah final. What a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, don't you it, think for the NBA marketing team? Certainly they like, I think even, even Phoenix, I think Phoenix, Milwaukee, the NBA was like, no. Uh, yeah, which is but then that turned because, out to be really fun. Yeah, I, I, I mean, 
I don't want to go down a, a huge like a, a huge rant, but I, I mean, I think the Please NBA rant. needs to, you know, alter their marketing strategies. I feel like they 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 market around like ten to fifteen superstars, and the breadth of fandom is much larger. And yeah, they they need to like we need to not panic when it's like Utah's in the finals. Like that has to be like, cool. You know, they're one of the 30 teams. It's possible, you know, but instead it's sort of like, no, we don't have LeBron or KD in the finals. And it's like, yeah, those guys are old, man. Like we need to accept yeah, that time goes on. Right. That's like, so funny. Cause like, you know, when you think about, you think back to the, the Jordan days, right. When it was the bulls and jazz, it was so obvious to make, carl malone the like enemy oh 100 right like 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 the jazz were the villains and it was just so obvious and easy to do that where like something like philly jazz it's like i don't know yeah it's like (laughs) what's going on here like who's the bad guy yeah because it's like you got harden and gobert so people would be like i don't know who to hate yeah yeah yeah, literally like the last two picked in that uh, all-star draft, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would be like <laughs> the most unpopular dudes finals. Yeah, uh, really losing the popularity contest. Um, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment and let's talk about the Eastern Conference. So uh, talk about, you know, we were talking earlier about a, a rationally, emotionally invested uh, sports fans here. I have mm-hmm. a personal rant for you, uh, oh, Freddie, it. and you can you can talk me through this. So currently, as we record, uh, Raptors are in seventh place. Uh, the way the play in bracket works is that it's uh, seventh, eighth, and then ninth, tenth, and then uh, you know the seventh, eighth place team gets a second chance. If that's right, am I, mm-hmm. I, I'm saying that right? So the Raptors are in seventh. We would play against the Brooklyn Nets first. Um, you know, by the, you know, by the looks of how uh, mandates are being uh, lifted currently, I think it's we're actually get decent odds that Kyrie Irving would play in that game. Like I don't know for Looks sure, like but I mean, like, yeah, I the mean, speed of mandates for sure. Yeah, right? if we're not checking vaccine passports for the fans. I don't know why we would hold it against Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So totally. I think, you know, he plays Durant's help back. So they're doing very well. I think odds it are comes down to two free throws. Ben Simmons I, can't hit him. We win. <laughs> See, Freddie, this is why I need you because I'm having this crisis of like, okay, I'm afraid the Raptors are going to lose that game. And then I'm afraid, hear me out that they will then win a subsequent game against the Hawks or the Hornets. And mm-hmm. then the first round will be us against the Miami heat. And yep. I don't know if my heart can handle all of that. I will faint if that happens. Um, uh, I can't comfort you there. I, I, I actually, <laughs> I called a Raptors heat series um six three i thought the heat were gonna finish third Mm. and we were gonna finish six that was sort of my like rough prediction and and this is gonna sound even wilder i think there's a really good chance we'd beat them um and i feel like yeah uh i feel like the matchup's really good plead your case plead your case well let me just state the obvious which is that 
the Heat are deeper. They have like, you know, guys like PJ Tucker and, you know, like they have like more of a, a winning, you know, thrust about them. They're a better team. They have a better record. I do, however, think that the, we have enough like youth to bother them. Uh, a lot of people worry about the big man issue. Wouldn't be an issue, period, in that series. Like also, against Bam. Against Bam. Yeah, w- wouldn't be a problem. Uh, Barnes would be good against him i think and so you uh, so you'd move barnes to the center position barnes is a center at this point for me okay love um it. I feel i'm just like, i'm I mean, just asking for clarification i'm not like yeah, i mean i think he's a lot of things but i think we've seen him you know be physical with guys like capella vucevic hurdle like you know legit centers in the league and of course, would sim or you know, would he be able to like hold up against like Jokic or Embiid? Probably not, but those are like the MVPs of the NBA, so mm. I don't know, that's okay. But yeah, I think as far as like the way Miami plays, I really think that the Raptors would be able to um get a lot out of them, and you know, maybe I'm way off here, but I, yeah, there's a lot of interesting battles there. I mean, Fred Kyle is a really interesting battle. Fred and, versus Kyle. Wow. And I can't say for sure that I think Kyle would get the best of him because I feel like it would be pretty tight. You know, mm. Fred was an all-star this year. He deserved it. And um, I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of intriguing stuff in that series. I do think though, like rationally speaking, their depth is massive. They just added Oladipo. Heroes having a great season. You know, Gabe Vincent, and they got a lot going on. Max Max Struess, which is one of my, like, it seems like a made up name. Just got to say, Max Struess. Yeah, like just two <laughs> syllables, really, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you say but, that like he had a say in it. You know? Yeah, he did. I feel like those were his first words. You know, um, but yeah. Anyway, so so I I got into major hot take territory, but I I would be cheering for every Kyle charge. So yeah, you you went on a rant and I didn't help you at all. So sorry. <laughs> I think this is like a, a real emotional inevitability that us as Raptors fans really need to prepare for. Like I I think um, we might also play Demar. So well, that was of- my initial fear at the start of the season that we would play against the Bulls and and Demar would figure out how to be clutch, which he has this season, right? Like. And mm-hmm. and then that would be a whole thing because you know Damar would have revenge energy through the goddamn roof 100%. if he played against us in a playoff series. So that was my bigger fear over the Miami Heat. For me, it's just more like being just an emotional mess. Yeah, it, it would be super messy. Like, I, I love Kyle so much. Like, even just watching that clip of him on... Or uh, uh, that clip of Demar on how hungry are you? Oh my god, it was so great! And Demar talking about how he'd come back if Kyle was still here, and I was like, ah, I can't handle it. Yeah, I know, I know, it was a lot. Uh, yeah, I all I'm saying is I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm certainly not prepared for that. Like, I definitely, I mean, for the drama, I kind of want it, but I really don't want it. You know. Yeah, I mean, the thing Maybe about, I do. I don't know. It, it thing, would be juicy. It'd be fun. The thing about the East is like, and maybe I'm on an island with this opinion, 
but I can't imagine the playoffs without the Nets. I can't imagine the playoffs without us, but I also can't imagine them without the Hawks. Yeah. I mean, like, the Hawks got to be one of the, the more disappointing. Uh, I mean, Hawks, Portland, Knicks, absolutely no one thought their seasons were going to go this way. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was a real like bandwagon Hawks fan. I was always a Trey Young fan, and then everyone was like really shitting on him. And then I felt almost ashamed that I was a, a Trey Young fan. I was like, "Am I missing something?" Then he had that amazing playoff run. What a roller coaster! I know. And then and then I was like, "That's it. Trey Young is officially my son. I gave birth to him. He is mine. I love him so much." And 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 then this year, I mean, I still love him, I and mean, he I has still Trey. personally been great. But oh, yeah. the rest of the team has really dropped off, uh, especially defensively, which was a concern even last year. And then, it, it, you know what? I, I'm not a Knicks fan at all, like at all. But it's a shame that this Knicks-Hawks rivalry did not blossom the way we all hoped it would. Like that rivalry was really fun and really good for the league. Yeah, it was it was a blast. Like that series was so awesome, and Trey really kind of like ate up Madison Square Garden and like bowing to the fans and like you know uh, what was that one quote he had where he was basically like 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 when it, when asked why he he bowed he was like this is like a theater and I must entertain my fans or like yes he had, yes he said something like that I'm like this guy is awesome like, yeah i think he even referenced love that yeah he like referenced broadway <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i was like buddy you're a fantastic for doing this yeah yeah so you know a part of me there's a a really silly part of me that almost doesn't want the raptors to make the playoffs so i don't have to live through the anguish of this heat raptor series but i don't hold me to that everyone listening just know that i'm in a place and unlike other fans i'm working through it folks if you're listening don't give Catherine any leeway or context <laughs> come at her with all of your animus and you know just like undeveloped ideas like <laughs> she loves that oh my god um other thing this week you know fred van vliet came back uh last night against the spurs got a nice way of that really spoiled the greg popish uh party there with him having uh the most wins of any uh coach in NBA history uh absolutely wild i 1000 percent thought we were gonna lose this game because i feel like other people just dudes and again i'm not trying to diminish any anything that those three dudes do but you know fred brings a certain kind of like poise and shooting to this team that it, it raises the basement of our offense so high mm. or so much higher than it was and yeah like just uh watching a competent squad again felt great yeah i mean i was i was happy to see other players get minutes you know, so we could finally like give certain people a chance and see what's up. Uh, I've been saying it for a little while now, like, you know, the remainder of this regular season, I think for me and for a lot of people is going to be figuring out who our seventh guy is and who our eighth guy is and who our Mm -hmm. top eight are going to be going into the playoffs. Because 
I think our top six is pretty solid, but those last two spots um, continue to circulate. And I don't know for certain who those guys are. And I think giving them more time, even if it means a couple losses is good in that we need to solidify who they are because I don't see Nick nurse going into the playoffs with, um, with a shorter rotation that, or with a with a bigger rotation than eight players and maybe even less, he might even only make it seven. Yeah. I mean, he's done that before. Right. So I feel like that's definitely coming. And, and, and I do hope we learn more because, you know, uh, just, just like thinking about like what Malachi did for the, the Raptors offense. It was like, you can kind of see, it's like, oh, right. He can do things that you just can't do if you're six, seven or taller, right. Like he can knife through the defense and, and, and also Malachi has pretty incredible speed. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's massive. And like, obviously having like a low turnover rate and, you know, I think we we focus on the shooting, which which we should. You know, Malachi needs to hit shots, but I really think just having like a steady hand out there. You know, I, again, like as much as Pascal and and Barnes can play make, there's just something that's like predictable and I don't want to say natural, but kind of like more organic with a, a smaller guy handling the ball. Mm. I completely agree. And it was nice to see him get uh, a good stretch of games here uh, post All-Star break. Um, and seize the opportunity. Like, you know, people always say stay ready. Like he, yes. he did. You know? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, we're going to move on to our. So I've been calling this the Nick Nurse Hot Girl Summer Highlight of the Week. But that song is several years old. And honestly, not every week does Nick Nurse have a hottie moment but i'm thinking i want to call it the nick nurse hottie moment of the week sure just because the song's a little dated i don't have no no judgment here on the name change i don't have i don't have rights (laughs) to this song so i think i'm going to transition into the hottie moment and if it's like a really weird moment i want to talk about like him getting ejected from that pistons game which i got to see in person and absolutely loved Maybe I I'll love call ejections, it, by the way. Like I, I might call it the not so hottie moment if it's like real rough. I like it. Um, but this week's hottie moment is uh, if you don't know already, uh, Nick Nurse is holding a coaching summit online uh, this Sunday. Uh, it used to be uh, a more private thing that he did for other people who are coaches that he would run things through and talk about coaching with, but. Uh, this year it's online it's open to the public it's free and uh, I've signed up and I'm really excited for it he's gonna go through you know just like his his uh oh why why am I miss (laughs) why am I blanking on this word his process yes that's what I want to say his process his philosophy uh all that good stuff and I I think it'll be really good and really informative and really fun and you know, who knows? Maybe the Arkells will drop by and they'll sing a song together or something crazy. Oh, like I think they will. I gotta, they always, I gotta they're always there. They're yeah. always there. Uh, but anyway, uh, no one pays me to promote these things. But I just thought <laughs> uh, that's really cool that he's doing that and that it's open to the public and that it's absolutely free. And, uh, and if you want to go in person, it will be in the um, Dufferin Bloor No Frills where, uh, <laughs> where the Arkells shot the video. That would be so sorry. Perfect. Deep Arkell reference. My bad. 
Uh, that would be so fun, though. If uh, I think if it you made an appearance at the No Frills, uh, lineups would be uh, around the mall for sure. Oh, yeah. um, they sell out of Fisherman's Friends immediately. <laughs> Uh, Freddie, we have made it to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining me as always. Uh, let people know where can they find you on the internets? Uh, yeah, check me out on Twitter, uh, at Freddie Revis, F R E D I E R I V A S, Freddie Noel Revis on Insta. And yeah, I do a, uh, well, two podcasts, Buckets and Tea with Catherine. Check that out for sure. <laughs> That's this um, podcast, Freddie. That is. I, oh, my God. I think I did that last time, You too. did this last uh, time also. Well, I got to work on this. Maybe just write it down, you know? But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Pick Up, a WNBA podcast on the Sonar Network and also on the Sonar Network, uh, a, a Confederacy of Dunks basketball podcast. That's my podcast with Matt Duncan. We are a Raptor slash NBA pod. Check us out. Thanks so much. And uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Thanks so much for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye.